Gabby Dunn, and this is Bad With Money. Stop what you're doing. Like, just for a minute. Drivers, you are excluded from this exercise, please. But everyone else, just bear with me and stop for a moment. I want you to imagine, realistically, what your life would be like if you didn't have to pay rent this month. Whoa, right? Oh my god. What about next month? Or the month after that? You never have to pay rent again. How would that change what you've decided to do with your time right at this moment? Would you still be staring at a computer screen at work? Would you still be standing in line at the grocery store? I swear I'm not about to try to sell you a multi-level marketing scheme or a get-rich-quick plan or whatever. I just want us to think about how we're spending our time. So if you didn't have to pay rent, what would your day look like? This season, we've been thinking about what it means to live basically anywhere outside the U.S., So I want to do an episode specifically about the search for home, in big letters, home. We're going to talk to nomads that don't shape their lives around paying rent for a house or apartment, that don't have roots, that live on the road, by choice. Where would you go? What sacrifices would you make for that kind of freedom? Would any monetary sacrifices even be necessary, or would it actually save money to have that freedom? So later, I'm going to talk with a writer who breaks down the meaning of home, community, and how we become attached to a place. But first, there's this really interesting community of nomads living in Australia, and they basically live out of vans, buses, or some other type of vehicle. So we tracked down a couple of those folks to talk to, and we're going to call one of them right now. Hello. Hello. Hi, this is Gabby. Oh, hi, Gabby. <laughs> so um, for our listeners, uh, can you say who you are and what you do? Yeah, my name is Rachel and I live in a camper van that my partner and I converted ourselves. That is very cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do you guys work? Do you guys work from home or? We do. Uh, I've got an online business that is hosted by Etsy called Salty Mermaid Creative. Nice. And my partner is a photographer and videographer. Cool. So, okay. So where are you right now? Like what's going on around you? Where are you guys parked? At the moment, we are parked in a beautiful coastal town north of Sydney. Um, We're parked at a headland overlooking the beach and it's a gorgeous sunny morning and it's going to be a beautiful warm day today. Oh my God. Okay. So, what what led you to decide to live like a more nomadic type of life? Because I think people dr- kind of have this idea in their mind of like dreaming of this kind of thing. Some people, some people. Um, so when, how did you guys come to that? Well, my decision was based on finances. I was uh, living in uh, a beautiful coastal town and not getting enough work. So I was starting to get myself into debt and the solution for me was to move into a camper van and I was a bit nervous about doing that so I started house sitting um, and living in the camper van in between house sits. So that was a nice easy way to ease into it and um, I was able to pay off all of my debts 
And I found that I enjoyed my time in the camper van more than when I was house sitting. Where did you get the camper van? I purchased a van from a friend and I converted it myself um, with the help of one of my friends who's quite handy. That's really cool. I mean, is there, I have a friend who is building out a van too. Is there like a, a shower? Is there like, how, how big is it? So this, that was my old van, which we've, which I've since sold um, when I met my partner and we've built a big van together. So our new van is, um, it's seven meters long and we can stand up in it. It's, um, the roof's quite high. So people up to six foot can stand up in our van. Cool. Um, and we do have an outdoor shower. Oh, it's our kitchen sink. Our tap actually doubles as a shower. So it's, we've put it near the door so you can pull it outside and shower outside. Oh, that's, um, (laughs) we had one of those and we had an outdoor shower at my house where I was growing up. So I always, when people are like outdoor shower, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) That was, that was the weird Florida home we had. Uh, so why did you enjoy being in the camper more? I enjoyed it more because it gave me more time. I didn't have to do so while I was working. I still, I was free of housework and and chores and things that you would normally have to do when you were housebound. Mm-hmm. Um, my original camper van was quite small, so it was difficult to cook. So I used to eat out a lot, and it gave me more time to surf, um, to spend more time outdoors. I mean, you have to be outdoors when you are in a small camper van. So yeah, you, you're automatically when you're in a house, you can escape nature a little bit. But when you're in a van that's it. You're immersed in it. You're at, you're at the mercy of nature. And it's, uh, it was that connection that I found I was craving the most whenever I moved into a house. You felt like you were too disconnected from outdoors? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So uh, we're, we're talking to you at, at 930 in the morning, Australia time. Yes. What is your average day like? Our average day is uh, we tend to get up early-ish depending on how we're feeling and how busy we've been if we've been doing a lot of surfing we might get a bit tired and want to have a sleep in Um, but my partner will quite often want to get up and see if there's a nice sunrise that he can photograph or film Mm -hmm. Um, and then we like to have coffee and um, and check the surf Mm -hmm. and then we decide whether or not we're going to surf in the morning and do some work later or, or do a bit of work in the morning and go for a surf later um, that's usually a priority for us. And if the surf's no good, we'll do some outdoor exploring or bushwalking. Like, so you mostly drive, you mostly try to stay near the water? We do. We, we do try to get inland and we, <laughs> and, and we can't deal with it for very long. So we find ourselves heading back to the coast again. Yeah. You choose like where you want to stay based on like, you just are kind of following the surf. Uh, we do a little bit, probably not as much as we'd like to um we follow warm weather as well I definitely I bet (laughs) yeah Um, so we've recently come back from a trip up um in tropical western Australia because we wanted to escape winter sure (laughs) yeah so what are your regular expenses then if you're not in a home uh our ongoing expenses because we work online my my mobile phone plan is a fairly large expense Mm mm-hmm uh, food is the biggest one I'd say and diesel fuel. Yeah. Cause you can't, can you cook in the, in the van or? Our new van that we've converted that it's, it's everything we wanted in a camper van. So yes, we've got, it's probably the best kitchen I get to use. <laughs> it's oh, it's <nice>. amazing. <laughs> so yes, we do cook a lot and that does help save money on food, but it's still one of our, we, we, I mean, our expenses aren't that big. 
Yeah. But it's one of our bigger expenses. And and keeping the vehicle on the road, they're the, they're the main ones. Yeah. So, I mean, that must be like, I mean, in terms of, let's say like my my rent is US dollars, uh, like 1600 I mean, I don't know. I, th- I feel like if you already own the van, then that's probably like what you're spending on just food and gas in your phone. Yeah, that's Not- about right. Cool. <laughs> I feel good about all the decisions I've made. Um, <laughs> so do you, so then is money stressful at all? Do you guys think yes. about it or worry? It is really. Why? Yeah. It is stressful for me sometimes, probably because I'm more prone to worry than what my partner is. Um, mm-hmm. I like having a lot of money and I love food. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a food snob. My partner's happy to eat porridge, mm-hmm. but I, I like good food and, um, and I love eating out. And so it's fine. If we don't have a lot of money coming in, we just dial back what we're, we just change the way that we live. And I I love how resourceful we can be. Uh, So yeah, I do worry about money sometimes. Um, My business doesn't always flourish. It does sometimes and other times it might not. And uh, yeah, so there's a lot of trust and faith that goes into that whole process of income. Yeah, I think that in those times, I just need to remember that it's a choice that we've made. We're, we're in a very amazing place. We're never going to get into too much trouble financially. Um, there's always a way. And, yeah, so we definitely do worry because we don't work as much as what we would have if we were in a full-time job with right. a boss. Yeah, yeah that's, so, that's freelance anywhere, though, is garbage. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it is. I mean, it's good sometimes and very bad other times. Uh, what, um, you said you guys were resourceful. What do you, what do you mean? Well, it's funny because you always think that money has to come in the form of, you know, money, actual Mm -hmm. physical money. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we might end up, I mean, quite often we end up being given food by people. Um, and it's just random circumstances that will lead us to being given things, given opportunities or given, like, given clothes a lot. Really? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Why? I keep emptying out my wardrobe and then all these people I know will go, oh, you're that size. Um, we'll give you all these clothes. <laughs> and so my wardrobe keeps filling up again and, and it's great. It's fun. And I have to remember that that's a part of abundance as well. You know, getting um, income isn't just about money. It's about the resources that, that come to you as well. So, okay. So I think a lot of people that are hearing this are trying to imagine what it would be like to not have bills or or not so many bills or to have more freedom. What's been more meaningful or are they similar? Like the physical freedom to move where you want to go, which I imagine is, is awesome. Or the like mental freedom to be like, okay, I'm not tied down. I'm not living how society thinks I need to live. I've, cause I think a lot of people dream of doing something like this, but not that many people actually do it. I think that the most important thing to remember is that no matter what circumstances change in your life, you're always going to take yourself and your current mindset with you. Mm-hmm. And the mindset of freedom was something that I created when I was working within a full-time job. But how? I created that through uh, recognizing where I was free and really making the most of time before and after work uh, and spending it in ways that I could because I was actually still working when I had my other van. And so because I was free of a house, I then had more time to do things that I really, really loved. And that became that feeling of freedom became very, um, it was very satisfying having that feeling of freedom. And so that's then when I 
was really excited about working for myself and maybe having time away from a job where I could really um, focus on that feeling a lot more. I'm not sure if that answers your question. No, no, it does. It does. I mean, it's a very philosophical question. Um, (laughs) So do you feel like van life is sort of a young person's game? We did an episode, not to bum everyone out, but we did an episode of, um, (laughs) of this show a couple seasons ago about Camper Force, I think they're called, and it's like Amazon has people that live in campers and they work for Amazon and they travel around kind of following Amazon. And Amazon paints it as this like very cool lifestyle thing. But a lot of them are actually much older people who either lost their houses in the U.S. recession in 2008 uh, and like wouldn't normally maybe choose this life or – um, they're so they like we highlighted some of the difficulties that like these older people have being mm. being so nomadic without real and they they sort of their financial woes have led them to this. Uh, so like, do you, I mean, do you meet a lot of people who are older doing this thing, or is it just kind of like something that young people do until they're till they can do something else when they're older? Yeah, look, you're right about the um, older people. We do meet a lot of older people who are living full time in vans. And, yeah, I think a lot of that may have been due to financial circumstances. I know one for sure. Yeah. <laughs> one of our good friends um, in a part of our van community is uh, definitely living in a van because of financial reasons. But as a choice, um, not because they were forced, but because they don't like spending money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, there's definitely a lot of that. I think, like, it isn't as glamorous like you say, Um People need to be, if they're considering doing what we're doing, definitely need to consider that it might not be for them and that doing it temporarily could be a good thing to do to see whether or not it's something that you like. And it can Mm -hmm. be glamorous and amazing as well. There's both sides to it. Right. Like you, there is positives to like waking up uh, and just driving to the surf and, and not having, I mean, I, God, not paying rent seems amazing. Um, but <laughs> it does feel a lot healthier keeping your money to spend towards things that you're actually going to use yeah. rather than paying off somebody else's house. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was a nice feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just, we were, I just was thinking about how we had explored, you know, I don't know, because it, there, it's fun. It's funny to reclaim this thing that like, I think maybe, in in years past would have been like living in your car you know but like yeah yeah um do you feel like where where do you feel most at home is it is it just like the anywhere where you're able to be close to nature or definitely uh yeah it's it's funny home is a really strange word for us now because um there's a beautiful the town that we're in right now in in um Port Macquarie north of Sydney is definitely one place that feels like home to me I lived here for a long time and um I've made a lot of friends here I have family here and there's a huge community of people that love and support us and that feels like home my partner's from South Australia from a beautiful little town down there and that also feels like home to us and we recently went to Western Australia and I felt at home in a um a natural environment in a national park in in Exmouth where in, in Western Australia, where it just, the the natural environment there was so powerful and overwhelming that it felt like home to me as well. So honestly, home's a really strange word. And I, and I feel now that I can feel at home almost anywhere. Mm, that's lovely. Okay, cool. I think that, I think that we are good. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. 
We gotta take a quick break. Stick around because I'm about to talk to someone raising a growing family in a bus. And we're back. We're jumping right back into this community of nomads in Australia. Not literally, we're just talking. We're not, (laughs) I'm not leaving the studio to go to Australia, although I wish. It's one thing to build a life for yourself in a moving vehicle, and it's another to raise a young family as you move from place to place. So I want to hear about that experience too. Hello? Hey, Natalie. Hey. Is that Gabby? Hello, this is Gabby. Hi. (laughs) How are you going? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I'm just going to jump into it and have you explain um, who you are and what you do to my listeners. My name's Natalie and I, me, my partner and our two-year-old live in our self-converted bus that, yeah, we did ourselves. My partner converted it completely by himself. Um, And yeah, yeah. And the past year um so we moved in around last November um it wasn't completely finished but yeah we moved in and kind of did finished it off as we went and yeah the past year we've traveled up and down the east coast of Australia which is quite a length so we've been up to the tropics and we've been down to the mountains and um yeah we've actually just stopped we have a home base um at my mum's place in Queensland and we've just stopped cuz uh for a few months because we're ex- expecting our second baby in February. Oh my god, congrats. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Oh, what kind of bus is it? Uh it's a Toyota Coaster. I think it's a 1992. Um so I'm not sure. I don't think you have those buses in the states. No. How how big is it? It's like uh a few meters bigger than a van. Um, okay. Um, Toyota Coaster? So okay, let me look. Yeah. I'm going to Google it. Oh, <laughs> okay. okay. Everyone at home, please Google Toyota Coaster and you'll get yeah. a real cool photo of, a, of yeah, a small bus. You were right. Yeah. You explained yeah. it as best you could. Yeah. it's a 20, It was a 21-seater, I think. Wow. Okay. What is life in the bus like? You're raising a family, you're pregnant. Yes. Um, it's, it's really wonderful. I mean, I think the, me and Zach traveled a lot before, uh, both before we met each other and then we, when we were together and, um, we knew that, you know, we didn't, for lack of a, a better word, we didn't want to live this like mundane kind of lifestyle mm-hmm. where Zach would go to Zach would go to work or I would go to work from nine till five and we would get hardly get to see each other. Our relationship would suffer. Um, our relationship with our children would suffer. And we knew, you know, that there was a better way. There's people out there that doing that are doing some amazing alternative um, things. And we also always wanted to travel around Australia. And seeing as we didn't get around to that before we had children, um, we thought once our child, our first um, baby boy was born, that we would find a place to live, um, save some money and, yeah, buy a van or a bus and deck it out um, and kind of just go about our life. And then we kind of ran into this idea along the way of um, in the process of buying the bus that we could earn money online through things like a YouTube channel or making, you know, like creating a following on Instagram. And so that was really, really appealing, especially to me, um, because I really love to write. I always wanted to be a writer. 
Um, and it, it was just like the perfect way for me to express myself. So I started a YouTube channel about a year ago as well. Um, and I just started posting about our life on it. And I started seeing that so many people were getting um, inspired by us and sending us these beautiful messages saying like, could you make videos on, you know, specific subjects about living in a bus, living um, like minimally with mm -hmm. your child, all these kinds of things. And so that's just kind of formed and we're still trying to kind of create our business as we go. And we've got lots of ideas of things that we want to do. Um, and so that's kind of where we are today. We're still where, you know, our aim, I guess, is uh, financial freedom for us mm -hmm. and um, being able to, to sustain our lifestyle, whether it's living in a bus or living in a small cottage or traveling a few months a year with our kids um, and just really being able to be present and be with each other basically all the time. And so that's kind of where our vision um, has led us. When you got the bus, you had to, you had to build everything out in it. It wasn't, it didn't have anything. Yeah. It, so it was, it still had the 20 seats in it. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was literally like an old school bus. Um, and so we got it and we completely, uh, ripped everything out ourselves and just started from, so we had to clean everything. It was super dirty. Once all the seats were out, everything was out. And, um, yeah, we ripped the walls out, the ceiling, and we just started from the very bottom. And, um, my partner basically, cause when we bought the bus, Tallow, my son was maybe seven or eight months old. And so I would look after him and Zach would work on the bus when he, uh, wasn't at work. And yeah, we did it. We did it in just over six months, I think. How much did the bus cost and was it expensive to build it out? So we did things really, um, quite, uh, cheap because we had a um, budget that we wanted to kind of stick to. We were super blessed to find this bus. I think it was, so it was 6,000 Australian, no, six and a half um, thousand dollars. So that's very cheap. Very cheap. Um, yeah, but you definitely can find these buses. Uh, you know, we have a lot of friends that live in buses that have, they've decked out themselves. And um, I think the average price is probably around 10 grand, but we were just super lucky. This guy just couldn't sell this bus. It was in great condition. And so that is also why we just jumped in. I think it was the first, it was the first bus we looked at and we were like, yep, this is ours. Mm -hmm. Um, and then to deck it out. So including that six grand that we paid for that, for the actual bus, I'd say we'd spent about, um, 13 grand. What? So, okay. Yeah, so another six grand on top of uh, the six grand that we bought the bus for for the build. And then, yeah, so we did it super cheap. Um, and you can definitely, you can spend a lot of money. You can spend even less money than what we spent. Mm -hmm. um, that was just our budget. And we did it, like I said, over the course of a few months. And so that's kind of how much it turned out to be. We've definitely had to pay for things along the way, like we've broken down before. We've had to get things fixed and stuff like that. Um, but as a whole. Less expensive than a home, let's say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so how, what's the setup? Like how, where does your kid sleep? Where are you guys? <laughs> so we have a king bed. Um, that was a, uh, must for us. That was, we kind of built the bus around that, the mm -hmm. fact that we needed a king bed, because usually when you have a, someone uh, decks out a van or a bus, you know, they put a queen or a double bed so that they have more room to kind of 
furnish out the rest of the home. Um, we needed a king because we, our son Tallow sleeps with us. So mm-hmm. we co-sleep. He sleeps in the middle of us. Um, and my partner is also quite tall. Um, so we, that was, yeah, it was just a must for us. So the king bed is right up the back. And then um, as soon as like the bed ends, the kitchen kind of starts. And on the other side of that, of the bed, the couch starts. And yeah, the kitchen pretty much goes all the way to then where Zach's uh, seat is. So the, the driver's seat mm-hmm. um, and the couch goes to where the door is. And then after the door is Tallow's uh, seat, which is directly behind me and then my seat. And then a lot of storage and everything up the top and wherever we could fit um, storage, we put it. Are you going to change things around when the baby comes? Uh, So we're not going to change it so much. We actually have a dream of buying a slightly bigger bus next year sometime and kind of doing it all again um, and catering to the fact that we will then have two children um, so yeah, we're going to figure things out, um, with the new baby cause we'll be in the bus for a few months with, mm-hmm. with the new baby. Um, so we'll figure the seating out <clears throat> because right now we only have three seats plus the couch. Right. Um, yeah. So, but it, it is possible to figure that out without doing much renovating. So we'll just do that. And then, yeah, our plan is to kind of sell the bus and, um, do some exciting things next year. Um, before possibly buying another slightly bigger bus to then, you know, maybe take a year to renovate that one. So how do yeah. you how do you envision um, like your kids growing up and and why is that important to you? I just see us, I suppose, living um, all my kids growing up living uh, in an you know like a big open space. We'd love to get our land some uh, our own land someday, sometime in the future, maybe within like the next five years. Um, and we'd love to just be able to have a beautiful home and just heaps of space for our children to run around. Um, we plan on homeschooling our kids, and so um, I just I don't know. I just I just want us all to be super close. I want them to be super close and I just uh see them being the wild children that they already are um so you do want to you do want to find like a eventually like a a home Uh, yeah absolutely of course totally um and I think that that will come once we gain more of um what we see for us to be our financial freedom which I think looks very different for everyone um and that's definitely something that we're, we're working towards. Because are you saving a lot of money by living in the bus? I wouldn't say we're saving a lot of money because we saved money to travel mm-hmm. in the, you know, like we, and then, and then we traveled in it for a year. And so now um, Zach's working again. Basically he's working again because right now we're at my mom's house and we've got a place to rent to have our baby in mm-hmm. Um from January for a couple of months. And so he's saving up to pay for that rent so that he doesn't have to work around the time of the birth and when the baby's newborn. Um, and so I'm, I, I know that I'm not sure about like how much you guys earn in the U S for the type of work that Zach does, but in Australia it pays pretty well. Um, and so, yeah, like we figured out that, you know, how much we can save within the time that he's working so that we can then 
yeah, use that money to pay for rent. So no, I wouldn't say we're saving money. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But that again, we're working towards making things happen for us. And I think a huge part of that is like mindset and yeah, really cultivating abundance. And so that is such, that's definitely a huge thing that we've been working on the past year or a couple of years. Is there like a van or bus life community in Australia? <laughs> there definitely is. It's, it's huge. And it's quite amazing. Um, as soon as we decided to buy our bus, we, all of a sudden we were just surrounded by these people that had already done it or were doing the same thing. Um, so there's definitely a huge community, van life, bus life community. Um, we've met some incredible people. Um, all the people, most of the people that we have met, most of the couples we've met that live in their buses or their vans also have children, one or two kids. Mm. Um, yeah. And so it's been really special, really incredible friendships that we've, um, created and, it's pretty magical just being able to park up anywhere and have your kids just, you know, playing as the adults are cooking dinners in their two buses or vans. And yeah, it's, it's great. What are the, um, what's the age and, and race of, of a lot of the van or bus community? Is it mostly young white people? Uh, yeah. So like mostly, so in Australia, there's actually, uh, there's, there's, so many people are living this way. It's not, it's not just um, the younger community. I would say from what, obviously what we've been surrounded by, it's um, people between, you know, in their late twenties to early thirties, which is where we're at. And um, they've got, you know, kids aged between one and five. Um, But we've also met so many wonderful um, kind of retirees that live in their caravans that travel around Australia full time. You know, we've met people that have been living in their caravans, uh, older couples for, you know, between five to 10 years mm-hmm. and they just keep, just keep, they sold their house, they retired and that's, they just wanted to live simply and see the country. And um, so it's so vast. And there's, uh, once you're out on the road, there's so many people out there doing this. It's, it's incredible to really surround yourself with that and to know that you're kind of not alone, that, you know, you're not crazy, that other people desire this, that they want this for themselves and their family. Yeah. I was just curious yeah. if it, yeah, because I my picture of it is like young, yeah, 20s to 30s, uh, like white couple. I mean, do you have, what's like the alarm system or safety precautions on a bus? Like, how do you... When you're, when you're sleeping and stuff. Sorry, I'm a nutcase. I'm like a neurotic <laughs> nutcase. Um, so we don't really have any uh, safety systems as such. Um, Was that the most American have- question I could possibly ask? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I think that um, maybe in the U.S., there's a bit more fear around d- doing, I don't, I don't know, doing something like this, like living in a bus or a van. And, and even though like it's, it's just as the, that the like van life culture is just as huge over there. Um, but I'm sure that maybe just in general, like, I'm not sure that, uh, especially when you're around cities and stuff or kind of in uh, more populated areas, is it, do you mean in regards to like, is it, is it kind of, do we ever feel unsafe yeah yeah um so we've never really felt unsafe 
sleeping in the bus. Um, we do sleep at caravan parks sometimes when we need to freshen up. We need showers and to do our washing and all that kind of stuff. Um, but most of the time we free camp, so we just find um, kind of secluded spots or even just, for example, if we're in like a more popular area. We never go into cities, but if we're in like a town, we're by the beach, we'll stay at the beach um, until after dinner and then we'll drive to a residential area and park up somewhere where we kind mm-hmm. of just – you know, we kind of just suss it out. Um, so if we, for example, if we drove to a town and um, it didn't it didn't feel right to us or we felt, you know, unsafe in any way, we would keep driving. We wouldn't stop and sleep in that town. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but generally there's, you know, there's also so many people on the road doing it. So you're always seeing other vans, other buses around kind of, um, yeah, you just suss the places out. And if you don't feel like it's right, um, you kind of just keep moving, but we've never ever had a had an issue ever. Wow, that's yeah. Sorry to have just gone full USA on you. Um, <laughs> I know, that's okay. like, but where do you keep your guns? It's fine. Um, we're the worst. Uh, thank you so much, Natalie. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. I'm I'm very honored that I could speak to you today. Okay. Time for our last break. After that, I'm talking with an author who's got some theories about why many of us have a restless desire to keep moving. So stay listening, folks. And we're back. Okay, now I want to flip this conversation and think about the idea of home. Like what makes us want to wander and explore versus what causes us to become attached to a place and feel like, ah, yes, this is home. This is where I need to take naps and eat chips. So let's get into it. Guys, I know I'm about to do an interview, but I haven't had lunch yet. And my bag of French fries is just sitting right next to me. It's getting cold. So you don't mind if we pause for a few seconds, right? I just need a few bites. Hello. Hey, Melody. This is Gabby. Sorry, I'm chewing one second. (laughs) Hey, Gabby. Sorry about that. No, I'm so sorry. I have food with me, and it's been a problem every interview. One second. <laughs> ah! You got to eat, so just go for it. I know, and I was late because I went to Arby's, and I had to text my producer. I'm so sorry about who I am as a person. <laughs> I'm I'm very excited to talk to you, actually, because this is so interesting. But um, for my listeners, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, I am Melody Warnick, and I am the author of a book called This Is Where You Belong, Finding Home Wherever You Are. And, okay, so why did you decide to research community and the idea of home? It was basically because I didn't have a home for a while. Um, Oh. I mean, not to say that I was homeless, but just that I was really mobile. Um, My husband and I, um, I got married at the end of college, and right after college, my husband and I moved across the country for a job. And then for the next about 12 or 13 years, we just were moving every few years. I think this is something that happens to a lot of people in their 20s and early 30s, where you're moving around for jobs or grad school or, you know, to get a little closer to family or to get a little farther away from family. (laughs) Um, And we had landed in Austin, Texas. Um, my husband had finished grad school and we thought, okay, you know, we're, we're here. This is it for the long haul. And then like a year and a half later, he's like, actually, I found a new job. We're, we're moving to Virginia. And so I was in this life position where I didn't know where home was. I didn't always feel like where I was living 
was where I wanted to be. Um, and I wanted to change that. I wanted to feel rooted in a community, even if I wasn't going to stay there forever. I wanted to feel like it was home. Yeah. I mean, okay. So according to census data that you found, the average American today will probably move 11 times during their lifetime. You mentioned some reasons why. Um, are there other reasons? Like I moved a ton in my 20s because I just never had any money and I was constantly moving. Is that one of the main reasons or what are the big reasons? Yeah. So that's a huge reason, especially why people make in-town moves. You know, you're just like trying to find the cheaper apartment yep. or, you know, your landlord kicked you out, mm-hmm. um, things like that. That can make people really mobile. But when people tend to make the slightly bigger moves, sometimes it's for housing upgrades. Um, but a lot of times it's um, chasing jobs. Yeah. Uh, you know, something changed in your life, like you got divorced or you got married. Um, and I tend to think that there's just sort of an underlying restlessness for a lot of us almost like a fear of missing out thing that gets really big where it's like, I want to see what it's like living in San Francisco Mm -hmm. or, you know, my life is not complete until I experience life in New York or something. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of us just kind of move out of this desire to explore and experience new things. Yeah. I think like also, you know, I think a lot about how I, I I moved to LA for work in entertainment, uh, but I I was like I've never lived somewhere just because I liked it. Like I never like moved to so- somewhere just because like oh I like this city. It's always job related, right? And and I think that is kind of changing. Like I think more people and more younger people, recent college graduates, are becoming a little more conscious of you know, Hey, I want to be in, you know, Charleston or wherever. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just want to go experience it and I'll get a job there when I, you know, when I land. Um, but yeah, for, for a lot of people, it's just like you go wherever the job takes you. Right. And the place is secondary. Where do you live now? I live in Blacksburg, Virginia. Oh, it is a, don't pretend like you've heard of it. It's okay. I only, Um, I only assume that everyone that lives in Virginia is in the CIA. That's it. uh, Right. (laughs) But, um, no, we live in the other part of Virginia, the part that's not by, you know, Washington, DC. We're in the Southwest corner of Virginia. So it's kind of Appalachia. Um, and it's where Virginia tech university is. So this is where we came after Austin, where my husband got this new job. And we came here thinking, right, you know, like, fine, we'll, we'll make our lives here and it's going to be amazing. And everything about my life is going to be better. I think sometimes we ascribe magical properties to a move. Like, yeah. If I just move to this new place, I'm going to be a different person. And, you know, all my bad habits and bad friendships and everything everything is going to just get better. Wow. Um, and, and so that was kind of like in my head when we moved and then we got here and it was like, oh yeah, I'm actually the same person. Um, and Ugh, you know, like still dragging me right now. <laughs> so it's so annoying. Um, it would be great if you really could move to a new place and have a, an absolutely clean slate. And in some ways you do, like there is something about a move that kind of gives you a chance to re-examine habits and and recreate yourself a little bit. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, you stay who you are with all your baggage. Um, And so I I kind of went through this thing of thinking, 
I've been waiting to land in the right place and find the the community, the city that would, you know, fix me, that would make everything easy and, and great for me. And, um, and then being disappointed when it didn't happen. And my mindset shifted to, to think maybe I need to just invest and love the place where I live. Um, and, and then it kind of makes me happy, you know, that I need to change my behavior to not just expect a place to like bestow all this goodness on me, but I'm going to do things to, to make my life good here, no matter where here is. What are some of the primary elements that make someone think of a place as their quote unquote home? So I think there's a lot of kind of things that you would think of, like having family nearby makes you more likely to think of a place as home. Um, a surprising number of people still live in the place where they grew up, about a of third course. of Americans. I found that really weird when I was doing Really? I think money. I think like money-wise, most people don't leave their towns. Yeah, you might be right. Um I think like maybe it's sort of like a certain, you know, class of people or you have to be at a certain socioeconomic level to leave your town. Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of a privilege to be able to move out of your hometown that like not everybody is afforded. And also like uh, I think people value different things. Some people don't, you know, that you're right. They want to stay close to their their family. There's like more of a familial obligation to staying. Yeah, I think I thought, you know, as a teenager growing up, like I'm out of here and there, there's no way I'm I'm coming back to where my, you know, where yeah. I grew up. Um, but so I think, you know, sometimes we look for those elements of just being comfortable in a place, but I also think it just comes down to two basic things, um, relationships and experiences. So if you have friends and positive relationships in a place, you have people around you that you trust that makes a place feel like home. Um, and also if you're having good experiences there, you know, the place, um, augments your life in some way, but also you're kind of making good things happen for yourself where you live. Mm -hmm. Even just finding a, a coffee shop, like looking at a new place to live and finding a, like a coffee shop or a comic book store or a restaurant or something where you're like, okay, okay, I could, I could come here often. Like finding right. a home base, uh, not even at your home, but somewhere else in the community. Right. Like those are called third places, you know, like oh. a place that's not work, it's not home, but it's someplace else where you feel comfortable. Um, and finding a place like that where you live can go a really long way toward making you feel a sense of ownership where mm -hmm. you are, you know, like, um, I understand this community. People know me, um, you know, just kind of in general, I belong here. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the thing that kind of surprised me about it, um, you know, so I was kind of going through this crisis after we moved to Virginia, like, I don't really like it here, but I'm stuck here. How do I make it feel like home? Um, and, and the thing that I discovered is that you can kind of proactively create that for yourself. You don't have to just land in the place that is an amazing fit for you. You can seek out those things that, you know, those experiences and those people that make it feel um, more like like home and like a place you belong. Um, so can you talk about place attachment theory? Yeah. So place attachment is the idea that when you live in a place and feel connected to it, you kind of develop an emotional bond with it. So, you know, imagine like you've been on vacation 
and you're driving back home. And as you get closer and closer, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, like I'm home. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that is place attachment. So we can be place attached, you know, at a really basic level to our house. It feels like home, but um, we also become attached to the communities we live in. Um, And so it's something that is, you know, it's kind of emotional. It's kind of this touchy feely concept, but it can increase your level of well-being. It can increase your self-esteem when you have, you know, positive relationships with your neighbors, which is part of place attachment. You tend to be healthier. People who are place attached live longer. Really? So, yeah, there was one study of Japanese women that found that the ones that liked where they lived and knew and liked their neighbors lived on average 6% longer. Whoa. So, you know, like it's not insignificant. Um, so it's one of those things that, um, we don't always think about, you know, we kind of think, ah, oh, this is just where I live, you know, I like it or I don't, whatever, but kind of choosing to form that bonds with the place where you live can actually make your life better. And, and it's healthy for communities too. Um, research shows that cities tend to thrive economically when more people who live there love it and, you know, are mm-hmm. happy being there. Yeah, that makes sense because you become involved or you get, you know, you become part of the community or you want to be spending money in the community economy. You want to be um, volunteering or whatever, being involved in local stuff. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like when people who, when people are place attached, it tends to affect their behavior. So, you know, they're more civically engaged, more likely to, yeah, shop locally, eat locally, more likely to start a business, Mm -hmm. you know, all these things that help them and also help their town. What about um, for people who it's harder to become attached to a certain place because of like internal baggage? Like a lot of the people we're talking to are sort of these bus life or van life people who they, <laughs> they want to move around a lot and they don't want to be in one place. Is What's that about? Um, you know, like I'm, I'm really curious about that too. Um, I think in a way, maybe that's sort of, you know, place attachment on steroids where people <laughs> just like really love to experience new places. And you kind of see that places have different personalities When I was writing my book, um, I talked to a woman in Maine who she and her husband had kind of, they had done that van life thing. They had traveled around the country and they literally hit like all 48 continental states um, and then made this big spreadsheet of the places they liked best and um and ended up moving to portland maine so portland maine is great it is a great city (laughs) um lobster rolls um but i think you know like some of some people who are doing kind of like that you know van life or digital nomad thing um you know some of them just they really are restless and they they don't want that sense of rootedness they they want to feel free to just you know, uproot and go experience something new at any time. But I've also heard about some who do it for a while and then use that kind of as a springboard to be like, okay, now I, now I've seen a lot of places and have a much better sense of what I want in a place where I'm, I'm going to live for a while. Mm-hmm. And now we get to pick like the best place, our favorite place. Um. So there's another side to this conversation where there are a lot of people who 
are born here or, you know, have been in America a long time but feel really unwelcome because of the politics being bad. Um, So, uh, you know, part of this season has been me wondering if there's a place I want to move in reaction to what's what's happening in the larger, let's say, U.S. community. Um, Is there – it doesn't come from – it's not coming from, like, an instinct to migrate or wanting to experience new, like something new. Like, so where does that perspective fit into place attachment? Is it just feeling threatened in your place is suddenly, or like, yeah, like, you know, you're suddenly you're like, I got to go. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that came out when I was researching this topic is that people really feel the most comfortable living around other people who are like them, you know, like other people who, (laughs) right, I know. Um, It it is like surprisingly, or, you know, like it's sadly unsurprising. Yeah. Um, But, you know, people are just, they're happier if they're a Republican living among Republicans or if they're, you know, a Democrat living among Democrats. So if you end up in a community where you feel very othered, you feel like, you are unlike the people in your community, that can make place attachment difficult. And I'm not sure that there's an easy solution, unfortunately. Um, I, I did a little project this past fall where um, I did something called Civic Dinners. This is a group based in Atlanta, and they encourage people to hold dinners with strangers and you know talk about sort of deep questions, which in our case, when we did it here in Blacksburg was, you know, talking about our town and what we liked about it and what we didn't like about it. So, you know, like I ended up hosting one of these dinners at an Italian restaurant in our town and like a a couple of people who came, I knew and a couple of people who came, I didn't know. It it was this really cool experience of sitting down with people who maybe weren't like me, maybe people that I, you know, never would have met, um, but that we could find common ground. Um, So I think that even in a community where you maybe do feel like the other, or like you haven't found your tribe, there are small efforts you can make to, you know, to feel a little more connected and a little more um, attached. But on the other hand, um, when I first started writing this book, I kind of thought, well, if you're, you know, if you're really place attached, that means you never move. And I came to realize that sometimes you do move. You don't have a choice. It's like people fleeing their home countries. Like you love yeah. that country, but you're not safe. Exactly. Sometimes you have no choice. You know, if you're a Syrian or whatever, you're, you find yourself, you've moved. Right. And you didn't want it, but this is your life now. Um, and I think even people who do have a choice, you know, you may, you may be living in LA and you know, that worked really well for you for the past five years. And now for various reasons, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't fit who you are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's okay. You know, like I think place attachment comes with sort of a toolkit. Like I know what it takes to, to fall in love with this town. That's sort of what I wrote about in my book is that process you go through. Um, and you can you can take that skill set and apply it someplace new if you need to or want to. Well, thank you so much, Melody. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for talking to me, Gabby. It was a pleasure. If you're thinking about uprooting your life, it makes sense to figure out what kind of connections you're craving as you try to find a place that feels like home. But you know, 
As interesting as all this was, I can't help feeling like this episode was a little too white. And maybe you noticed that too. There's a lot of privilege, familial support as a home base, free time, choice. I mean, part of the reason for the race of our guests is that the international nomads that were most accessible for interviews were white. And no, we couldn't reach Janelle Eliana, whose channel just blew up on YouTube. She's based in America, and she's one of the few hashtag van lifers of color that we could find. But I think there's something to be said about how we think about living without a home. If you can make the situation look Instagrammable, then it's hashtag van life. We assume you have access to money and that you're making a lifestyle choice. If I suddenly decided, you know what, I'm never paying rent again, and I moved out of my place, bought a van, tricked it out, and decided to live my life driving along the California coast, probably a lot of people would assume that financially, I'm just fine. That I'm being free and giving a big fuck you to the man. Whereas for most people, the thought of having to move into your car is terrifying. And if my producer, who is black, did that, those same people might assume she's broke. Because it's just not as common to see someone of color that's homeless by choice. Plus, in the episode of this show's second season where we discussed Amazon's camper force, we hit on the idea that hashtag van life is mostly white because, well, it's safer to drive around while white, isn't it? At least in the States. Now, I'm not saying this to disparage anyone who lives a nomadic lifestyle and has the freedom and support to live their best lives that way. I'm just saying it's not something everyone can do. Let me just imagine what my life would look like if I chose to live that way. I'd be gazing off into a gorgeous sunset on the California coast, sitting in my fabulous van home with my dog Beans next to me. We're cuddled under a blanket because it gets chilly at night. He's snoring loudly like he does because he's a small dog with small nasal passages. And, and yeah, I don't know. I think it sounds kind of freeing, for a short time anyway, but then again, I am white. <laughs> time for the credits, and to thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, use hashtag Gabby in a van somewhere, just so that I know you're a badass and listen to the full episode. Then please rate and review us, and make sure you're subscribed on Stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts. The show is produced by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our audio engineer is Brendan Burns. Our audio is edited by Andy Christens and our supervising producer is Josephine Martirana. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon. Original music is composed by Zach Sherwin, Mike Kaplan, and Jack Dolgen, and our theme song is performed by Sam Barbera. Bad With Money is a production of Stitcher. I'm Gabby Dunn, and see you next week.